Welcome to Culture Shift Escape Podcast. I am Chris. And I am Seth. All right. So today we are going to talk quite a bit about Donald Trump, as always. Um, But we're also going to talk a little bit about the culture in general and why the culture is the way it is, because we have kind of um, stayed on the political side of things, but we also want to discuss um, culture and what is culture and what is our culture and where Seth and I differ and um, are the same on um, our cultural beliefs. So. Um, let's first talk about everything that's in the news right now with Donald Trump. Um, Seth and I haven't talked about this at all, so this is going to be our first time. So you will get the live view of uh, what's going on. That's correct. That is correct. Um, do you want to give a brief overview of what happened for people that don't pay attention? Yeah, so just basically um, President Trump went overseas to the Europe and has been doing a Europe tour, uh, during which time he spent some time talking to uh, Vladimir Putin. Um, which, of course, (laughs) makes the Democrats go crazy. Um, And then to further make the Democrats go crazy into like some sort of la-la land or like obscure reality, uh, Donald Trump opens his mouth and talks about his trip and his meeting with Vladimir Putin. And um, they just kind of went all out crazy. Now, of course, Trump did say a couple of things that were like, "Uh, I don't know what you're saying that for, but you said it and this is where we are now. Um, which was kind of basically saying that he doesn't have much trust in his uh, um, intelligence agencies and that he believes Putin when he said that uh, when Putin said that he didn't tamper with our election, which, again, I don't know why he's saying stuff like that, which is just but he that's that's Donald Trump for you. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I mean, the intelligence agency and agencies basically have already come out and said, Russia was for sure involved in tampering of the election. Um, There's no evidence of Donald Trump colluding. There's people that feel that this is, you know, strongly against Donald Trump and thinks that this is, you know, this is proving without a doubt that he did collude. Um, But uh, I think you and I are going to kind of disagree a little bit on this only because I think what he said is uh, far worse than maybe you might think. And I'm just kind of um, assuming what you might think, but um, I, it, honestly, it's it's pissing me off because it's getting it, it gets so hard for us people, um, us on the right, to actually defend him when he keeps just just being so stupid in what he says, and being on the side. I understand trying to keep um, close ties with Russia or trying to um, understand that they are um, a geopolitical power, but that doesn't mean he has to just get down on his knees and worship Putin the way that he seems to be. Right. And I think the only thing going on in I think the only thing that I might it's not that I even disagree with you is just the only way it gets good for us uh, that for the people who slightly support Trump or who want to support Trump and for like maybe the people who are in between they're like, hey, I could kind of go both Democrat or I can go Republican depending on, you know, who's being more sane is that when when Donald Trump, when he says stuff like this, he um, uh it makes it hard for us to back him and say, Oh, you know, we love Donald Trump and this is good. You know, he says a lot of stupid stuff, but what it's, what's happening is is that the left is freaking out so, so much where it's, it's pulling 
moderate voters and saying like, well, I don't necessarily agree with Donald Trump. and I think he's stupid for saying what he's saying, but I just don't think that I can get on the same level as the Democrats because the Democrats are freaking out so, so much that they can't even handle what they're doing. So, I mean, that might be some good, but at the same time, it's not good that President Trump is saying the things that he's saying. Yeah, so we can agree that what he said was um, stupid and that he shouldn't have said it. Um, and did you um, hear his kind of walk back today of how he's walking back what he said? I haven't had a chance to listen to it today, but I, um, it's definitely going to be something I'm going to listen to tomorrow on my way to work. But I, like yeah, I, said, yeah. I haven't had a chance to listen to it. But I did hear that he tried to walk it back, so I'm interested yeah, to hear yeah, what he, he said. Um, it, it was pretty funny. Um, he tried to walk back his statements as saying that uh, <laughs> he said that uh, when he said that he would do something. What he meant was that he wouldn't do something. And I don't know exactly the context, but it was pretty funny. He's like, you guys should have just understood that I meant wouldn't. So right. that's what happened. Um, but he also just tried to say that um, he's always sided with our intelligence agencies, which is a lie, and that he never sided with uh, you know Putin. And so really, it's it's getting to the point where he needs to just say, hey, listen, I am on the side of our intelligence agencies. I'm not on the side of Russia. I am as he says, America first and kind of get off this topic because honestly, he's pushing the boundaries a little bit far for me because uh, Russia can be and, you know, is just as dangerous or more dangerous than Kim Jong-un. Jim, I can never say his name, Kim Jong-un. Um, and because they're, they are a bigger and, and a much more uh, powerful nation that they actually can be much worse worse than North Korea, but he treats him like, and he treats um, uh, Kim Jong-un uh, as somebody to either worship, not worship, he doesn't worship, but, but he, he definitely feels like he has to befriend them instead of being strong and, and powerful like he seems to try to be in every other aspect of his um, right his running. Well, and of course, I think it's important to note that this is not the first time that the Russia has, in fact, either tried to meddle in our elections or had an impact. I mean, it's been going back to like the 1960s and, and 70s where it, there's clear evidence to suggest that uh, Russia has had an influence and or that there was actual election tampering from Russia in America's elections. So it's not it's not like this is a new development. This isn't something new where they're finally, you know, getting on board with, you know, tampering with our elections. They've been doing it for decades. Um, but of course, you know, right now they have someone in uh, in the presidency where they they might feel like they will be able to manipulate him a little bit more. I don't know. Of course, I want to say that Trump is actually, you know, like we've both know and we've both heard that Trump has been pretty good on policy against Russia. It's just when he refers to Russia, he's kind of like, like you said, he, he kind of worships them or at least the leadership. But his policies have been pretty, pretty good against Russia. Um, yeah, 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 definitely. And um the thing that, that that makes me mad though is that you're that he helps fuel the Democrats' fire in, in this in this instance. Um, so even even if his policy is good, it's really hard um, to to sit here and say, okay, I'm just going to ignore all this stuff he says because what he says is um, 
getting closer and closer to crossing that border or that, that line for me and saying, okay, he's, he's obviously, something's obviously going wrong. There's something that we don't know about his relationship with Putin. Right. Um, a lot of people are speculating and, and saying that they know for sure that there, that Putin has something against him, like the P tapes or, um, <laughs> you know, some, <laughs> something against him that, um, that he's holding. I don't think that's true. Um, personally, I think that, uh, there's, there's no evidence to say that, but I do think that, um, if he continues the way that he's continuing, there's going to be uh, a doubt in my mind, and I think a, lo- a lot of the, the right or even the, the the moderates that are thinking, yeah, there's there's something going on here that seems a, a little uh, nefarious and not really something I want to follow. Right, and of course there are the people, I, there's a couple people that I follow or at least look at their feeds. It's not that I necessarily like everything they say, but uh, they they were they said that hey you know what Trump said that he doesn't trust our intelligence committees and neither do we, neither do I because if you look at the the senate hearings uh the oversight committee that was just interviewing uh struck uh the yeah. FBI agent it just it's baffling to me that this guy was ever put in a position to 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 head an investigation not only on just one one profile high profile case but two of them one of which he was very clearly in favor of Hillary Clinton so much so that I don't know how anyone could objectively look at the 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 ruling that they gave that Hillary Clinton wasn't breaking any laws with the the private server and say that he wasn't trying to help her out because he was so very much in favor of her presidency that he was saying there's no way that Donald Trump's going to get it we're going to give it to Hillary and he's saying that stuff while he's investigating Hillary Clinton and the email server so it's just I just you know and and it does I think that in the American people right now have a lot of mistrust in their uh, intelligence Uh, and I, I think that's a very 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 bad thing because when we don't trust our intelligence we're now like maybe kind of getting into the oh we might trust russia a little bit more territory which freaks me out but i'm also kind of flabbergasted that the fbi even let someone like struck in on these investigations yeah and i don't think that they should say okay our intelligence agencies there's there's people within our intelligence agencies that are um that are leaking stuff or that are uh, corrupt to some degree I don't think that the end, the natural reaction should say we should listen to everybody else's intelligence agencies. I think it's the natural reaction, just like anything is, okay, let's find these people that are leaking or find these people that are corrupt and get them out of there so we can keep the clean people in there that are um, a little more neutral in their politics and don't at least try to uh, meddle with our politics. Right. And um, I so, think, yeah, I think kind of what you're seeing, too, is that um, you're seeing kind of Republicans fall fall prey to what the Democrats do almost every time is instead of looking at it logically and saying, hey, what's the best logical step that we can do to, to fix this situation and, you know, rooting out the deep state, it would they're they're kind of thinking about it more emotionally and they're thinking, hey, you know what, screw our, our national security advisors or our uh, intelligence agencies and say, you know, we're going to we're just going to push them off to the wayside and we're going to say, you know, the, the deep state is everywhere and Donald Trump is doing the best that he can. And, you know, I, I trust him more than I trust them. So it's like, they're maybe being a little too emotional about it. And I'm not even saying like his advisors, Trump's advisors. I'm talking more, I guess, the, the electorate, the, the the voters. Yeah. And I think that that's that's the, the anti-Trump derangement syndrome. So you have the left, which is everything that Trump does. And this actually was, pissed me off about this whole thing. It's like, I really want to agree with the left on this. But because they take everything one step further on every little thing trump can mm-hmm. <laughs> trump and this is literally something that was on cnn multiple times trump can have too many diet cokes in a day and they will report it as if he is um you know 
a diabetic, a fatty, uh, someone that is going to die early, whatever it is, they're going to over-report everything that he does that when he actually legitimately says something stupid, it takes me a lot to think, okay, is this really as bad as they're making it? In this case, I think that it's uh, close. I don't think that he's a traitor or treasonous or anything like that, but I do think that he's... Um, He's, he's crossed a line that he needs to, he does need to walk back officially. Um, I forgot where this conversation started. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to make a point, but then I wanted to make another point. Oh yeah. So anti-Trump uh, derangement syndrome. So um, you have the people that everything that uh, Trump does is, is completely wrong. And then you have everything. And then you have the other side, which are Trump supporters and, um, and, whether they're Republican Trump supporters, they're moderate Trump supporters, they're independent Trump supporters, the, the you know, um, clear the swamp type people that say everything that Trump says is right. Whatever he's doing, he's doing because he has this massive great plan or because he is fighting against the establishment and everything against him mm-hmm. is, um, is actually pro-America. So any, uh, sorry, everything that, um, Anything that Trump does is pro-America, so everything against him is anti-America. So therefore, you actually treat the Democrats or the left as as the enemy of um, of America instead of treating them like um, an opposition. Which, and of course, I I share some of that sentiment. I do. I share some of that sentiment where I'm thinking like, you know what, Trump is trying to do the best he can for America, and I honestly truly believe that he is. I think that he's trying to do that. However, he says a lot of stupid stuff, and so it's hard for me to say. On, on an emotional level, I'm like, yeah, you know, I feel that way. I feel like you're doing the right thing, and I feel like you're doing the best for America. And me, as a proud American, I want that to be the case. But when you say stuff about Russia, or maybe even North Korea in this case, when you say say something that is verifiably false, or, um, you know, you probably shouldn't say about a country that kills its, uh, like in Russia, they kill reporters that report badly about, about Putin, or in North Korea where they're killing uh, hundreds of thousands of people, uh, because it's just such a, a a gulag state, then then it's 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 hard for me to say you know what. Yes, Trump, you're right about everything. Because like, I don't think he's right about everything. I think that presidents make really bad decisions sometimes. So, anyway. Yeah. No. And I I just the problem with it is that I don't think that Trump honestly still knows what he's doing. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't think that he's an idiot. I think that, um, well, maybe a little bit, but I do think that he's, he has, um, some decent people in his cabinet. And Mm -hmm. I think that they're, they're pushing the right policies. So no matter what he says, doesn't necessarily mean that it's, um, something that's going to happen. But again, he has to realize because he is so narcissistic as the left likes to say that he has to realize when he makes a mistake or when he goes too far, right? Um, like the Charlottesville stuff or like this stuff or um, even some of the smaller scale stuff that he's done that um, he, when he, he needs to realize that and actually you know, own up to it and say, yep, yep, that was a mistake. I'm sorry. I was, you know, I spoke out of turn or whatever it is. And so right. um, I wish that he would do that. If he just did that um, when I, I feel or when even the right starts to feel that he went too far, I would actually respect him a lot more instead of this, you know, quasi walking stuff back or doubling down on stuff that he probably shouldn't double down on. Right. And especially because, uh, no matter what he does, the, the left is going to freak out. If he, if he says the wrong thing, they're going to freak out. If he comes back and tries to walk it out or walk it back, they freak out. And if, um, he just says, Hey, you know what? I made a mistake. They're going to freak out. So, I mean, just ignoring the left on this, I think it'd be just important to his base to say, Hey, you know what? I, I said the wrong thing. I shouldn't have said that. You're right. I, you know, and just 
just be blunt. Like that's one of the reasons why I like Trump is because I feel like he is blunt. I feel like he, you know, he isn't hiding everything. He can't get off Twitter. And I just don't, I just don't, I feel like he's the most open president we've had where he's not hiding behind closed doors and doing backdoor meetings. Little side thing has nothing to do with this conversation, but I saw something on Instagram today that was hilarious. And it said, I really wouldn't worry about Trump and Putin's meeting. I'm sure they were just talking about their grandchildren, which was like a little jab at uh, Hillary Clinton, or I'm sorry, Bill Clinton and Loretta Lynch when they had the tarmac meeting on the plane. That's right. Because yeah, they yeah. said, you know, oh, we're just we're just talking about our grandkids. Like, go, oh, no, nobody believes that. You're a liar. <laughs> and it was just just a little funny, funny thing that I saw on Instagram. It was pretty. Yeah, that, that's that's good. Um, yeah. Anything else on this topic? No, uh, Trump's an idiot. And I think we all know that. And I think the <laughs> yeah. left has it right. And I don't think I don't think anybody on the right denies it. Trump is a narcissist. He he's narcissistic. Yeah. He thinks his you know he has a gold toilet. You know he's he's showy and flashy, and he you know he's gotten everything he's wanted in life. And he's no one's ever told him no. And right now he's he's president of the United States. So I think that he is narcissistic, and that's absolutely apparent but i think that he has good intentions and i don't think that he's doing a terrible job um foreign policy is a tricky son of a gun to nail down and i just don't think he has the right temperament for it but at the same time he might have a little bit more he might know what he's doing more than i'm giving him credit for yeah and you can't um you can't fault his um his gusto in a lot of things that he has done um, in terms of foreign policy oh yeah Um, he stood up yeah he's he's stood up and and kind of um fought for some things that um, Obama never did. And I, I can appreciate that. And that's why it's so odd to see him uh, bow down to some of these uh, mm-hmm. dictators or these people that are uh, much more uh, authoritarian than um, you know I would like. Now, the left would like to say that he wants to become these people. I don't think that's true. Um, I think he wants to be respected like these people seem to be respected. Um, but I don't think he understands that these people actually hate, are hated. They're hated yeah. in their in their land. They're feared, not respected. Yes, and there's a big absolutely. difference. Now, and I, I will also point out that I think that, you know, he's kicking his allies in the teeth while showing the people who shouldn't be allies respect. And it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a weird kind of dynamic because, you know, he's shaking hands with North Korea and like trying to bring peace to North Korea and Russia. While at the same time, he went over to Europe and kicked Europe in the teeth over foreign policy or like, you know, Germany with Angela Merkel. Um, yeah. And by the way, I absolutely can't stand Angela Merkel. She's just the worst thing to ever happen to Germany, maybe other than Hitler. <laughs> not the worst thing to ever. I'm not going to be Trump is literally Hitler, but she is terrible. She is absolutely terrible. Um, and and she's so I think she's going to ruin Germany. She's ru- she is currently ruining Germany. And it's sad to see because Germany's has such a terrible, terrible history and it's just going to get worse. I don't know. So, so what you're saying is that <laughs> Angela Merkel is literally Hitler. Is that what you're saying? She is literally Hitler. <laughs> she's she's Hitler on steroids. Exactly. Um, no, that's funny. That's like saying uh, Putin is the the worst thing to ever happen to Russia. <laughs> it's just like saying that. Um, okay. So, um, any anything else on uh, on on this one topic? I mean, we can go a little bit more into into the NATO stuff if you want. Um, or we can just skip over that. No, we'll go over that. That's fine. No, we'll skip over it. I mean, okay, skip. Yeah. I was gonna say we'll go over or skip over it. Yeah. Um. Okay. If anybody really wants to hear about the NATO stuff, I I honestly think it's it's pointless. Um. It's a lot of talk. Um. You have uh, Europe and the UK protesting. Um. They even had a baby blimp of uh, Trump. Oh, that was stupid. Um. Yeah. It's 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 silly. Um. 
honestly, Trump doesn't have as much influence on them as they might think. And so I, I think it's, uh, they're I, just I will say that, um, I, I, I saw a report and I was from a left wing, left wing media. So CNN or MSNBC, I can't remember the exact, uh, news source that brought it, but they said that, um, Trump got everything out of NATO that Obama ever wanted that couldn't, and he couldn't get. So I thought that was an interesting piece. Um, I, 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 breezed through the article and it was just saying that you know trump when he went there and he he was talking to nato he got a lot of stuff done that obama tried to get done and could never do so i thought that was interesting yeah definitely and i, I think that's that's right because uh, i think that obama was uh, a people pleaser and he was somebody that wanted to uh he wanted to make america like europe or like the uk and so if if that's the case he didn't want to go over there and, and start fighting back and and pushing um our uh, not necessarily our policy but our um our ways onto the onto europe he wanted to bring that stuff over to us and so i think that he he wouldn't stand up even um in, in simple ways so i think that's probably what it was right okay um so uh anything else in the political uh sphere that we should talk about um i mean i guess since we're talking about the euro trip i'll i'll, I'll pose a question to you that i posed to several people at work yes and i was just saying do you think that the president of the United States should bow to the queen? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I I, I have no problem with that. Um, I think it's a respect thing. I think just um, when you go into it, okay, so here's here's the difference. If the queen is here in in America, um, maybe not so much. But if you're in um, in the Queensland, then yes, I think you should. Okay. Just like if you go into um, if he goes to Japan or something like that, he's gonna bow to the fish. <laughs> uh, he's gonna bow. Um, he's gonna bow to the to the Japanese um, in 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 respect and to honor them. Okay, so I think there's there's a cultural difference between the two. So in Japan land or China land, there is it's it's Japan land. Japan land. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> uh, in those countries, it's. It's every day. Citizens bow to each other. You know, peers bow to each other. Lords bow to each other. All that kind of stuff. It's it's common day thing. It's a common day practice. But in the UK and in Europe, um, it's it's not like that. the The citizens don't bow to one another. It's not a cultural thing. The only people who bow to anybody is you bow to royalty. And yeah. I don't like the image and the optics of the president of the United States bowing to a foreign leader because it, it shows that he's. Um, bending the knee bending yeah no the he's knee. And, yeah and, and, and i don't like that because of course i'm obviously a, i'm a pretty proud american i think that american tradition is pretty strong in my heart yeah. and i don't i think that we you know we fought the revolutionary war so that we no longer have to bend the knee and you know i it might be a little i don't know like it's maybe too much in my mind but i i don't think so i, li- I like the fact that we don't have to bow to any foreign leaders we're on equal ground with the queen i just no i don't think we sh- he should bow and yeah, but see, what I'm saying is that it should be a ceremonial bow. It doesn't have to be a um, literal bow to the to the queen of of the lands. It's you're bowing as a ceremonial thing. That's all. Right, and I think like for people like me, it's just optically, I don't like the way that it looks. You might not. I mean, it may not be obviously that he's bowing and saying, you know, my queen, and what can I do for you? Yeah. I don't think it's like that. Certainly not. No, of course, the reason why I pose this question is because. Um, a lot of people said it was disrespectful and they blew up Twitter and they were like super pissed off on Twitter that he didn't bow to the queen. And it's like, he doesn't have to bow to the queen, which by the way, I will state that, um, protocol 
does not say that he has to bow to the queen. Neither do foreign aides uh, from any country or like diplomats from any country. None of those people have to bow to the queen because they don't serve the queen. So, so it doesn't. It's not. It's not something he has to do. Yeah. Uh, no, and I guess if you don't have to do it, you don't have to do it. But I, I do yeah. think that it, um, it out of respect thing, honestly. Um, I also think that uh, the how how crazy do you think the left would go if uh, Trump was knighted? I know he oh can't be, yeah. but ceremonially knighted, like, okay, we're going to give you a, um, uh, we're going to knight you just because. Just yeah, for that's fun. fantastic. That would be amazing. <laughs> it will never happen. Yeah. Just like that Nobel Prize that he's still waiting on. Yeah. But just to show our listeners, hey, this is obviously Chris and I disagree on certain things. You know, we're not, you know, 100% on the same page with everything. So uh, that was just yeah, a, speaking. A, Speaking of listeners, um, I think we have eight now. So oh, wow, I, I appreciate. It. I know we're we're yeah. growing uh, at a rate of four. What is that? Four hundred percent each <laughs> each week. So That's we are okay really yeah. We're no, taking off. Yeah, we appreciate you guys. I'll Snapchat us uh, talking right now. Um, uh, so I, w- I will also like to. I uh, just. I mean, never mind. I don't have anything to say. Um, except for this is also the first time and the first podcast that we've done through Skype and uh, we're trying some new stuff and I enjoy it because um, normally when I'm talking, I'm kind of, or like when Chris is talking, I'm kind of looking through my closet and like kind of drifting away from the conversation. And like right now, since I have him on Skype, I can actually look at him and talk to him specifically. And it makes me focus a lot easier. So I like that a lot. You know, I like this too. I think this is better. Um, you know, we're getting better at this. Yeah, I hope so. We know what we're doing. Yeah, and we also, um, anybody that listens, if you want, ever want to be on the podcast, let us know. Uh, we want to have guests at some point, uh, probably after the fifth or sixth episode. And then we also, um, we're probably going to be doing a debate um, either the next episode or the episode after that on something that Seth and I disagree on. We haven't decided what that is, but uh, there are things that we disagree on that we're going to kind of do a, a mini debate and more of a discussion than a debate, but it will be a, a disagreement and we will uh, pose questions to each other. Um, we're also going to do some debates where uh, Seth will um, argue the left side, I will argue the right side, and then we'll, we'll flip-flop and do um, Seth argues the right side, I argue the left side, just to kind of see how how we can bring up different points from, from different point of view so that you guys can kind of get a, a different sense of things. So, yes. um, also we have some other ideas in the, in the shoot, if you will. Uh, I want to, I want to do a one where we can kind of show you specific clips and stuff through old TV shows and kind of show you how, how far we've moved from, you know, like in the nineties to the two thousands to current day where like, TV shows have just drastically changed in culture and like certain areas where they won't even touch on. Anyway, I, I think that would be a very fun episode. Kind of like to, to pull those up. Yeah, definitely. And if, if any of these sound uh, better to you, text us and let us know um, what sounds, what sounds best. And we'll get that one up uh, as soon as possible. Um, so let's uh, culture shift to culture. All right. So um, the culture question I wanted to, to pose today, the first one, um, and if Seth has anything, we can go to that. But what I wanted to know is, from Seth's point of view, does uh, culture follow music or does music follow culture? Um, what I mean by that is, do people put out music on, on popular music? Does it come out um, in the lyrics and the things that are being discussed? Is that because that's what's happening in our culture? Or is it that um, that stuff's happening in the music and so people think it's cool because that's what's happening in the music and so it starts becoming part of our culture? And so can you blame the music or can you not blame the music? What do you think, Seth? I'm going to say you're going to blame the music. 
I think that um, people obviously relate to music, and that's why it becomes so popular. So um, I guess when you had the early 80s and 90s of rap music, um, which of course is my first one. Oh, actually, let's let's instead of me harping on rap so much, I'll go to punk music because uh, at one point in time I was into punk and I liked punk. Um, I don't hate the genre right now. Mostly, what I hate is the politics inside the genre. I, it yeah. bothers the crap out of me. But um, the music itself, I I can listen to, and it's it's not bad. But punk music was, you know, it's always been very political music, and it had a very deep impact on both Europe and the United States. Um, one of which didn't last for very long. I think in the United States it was only like maybe half a decade, maybe five, six years where it was like mainstream, where it was like big. Um, but it had, you know, you, you saw a huge shift in culture where it was, um, their whole, the whole punk genre was all about anarchy, uh, screw the government or F the government. Um, and, uh, kind of just, letting people do whatever they wanted. There was uh, also like F authority, uh, kind of a lot of stuff that you kind of see in, in rap music as far as uh, violence towards authority. And I think the two share that aspect of, of music. Okay. So I see, I would, I would somewhat disagree with you. Um, I think that as much as people bring up music, they what they're what what happens is that these people feel empowered and these people come out of the word work um, because of this music. I think it, it might empower people, but I don't think that it it creates people. So I don't think that there. I think there's going to be punk type people with that punk type mindset, um, and they just resonate with this music versus the opposite of um, some kid that's you know just walking down the street with his you know uh, Power Ranger lunchbox. Here's a punk song that says, <laughs> "Yeah, f authority." F authority. I hate this. I hate them. I hate authority. Uh, you know, F this, this lunchbox is part of the patriarchy, pa- patriarchy. Like I, that's not, I don't think that's what, how it happens. I think that people are already rebellious and then they hear this music and say, yep, I resonate with these people. Yeah. But I, I, I suppose, I mean, if you want to just cut it like that, I can see, I can see where you're coming from, but I think it, it goes into a, a deeper point where it's it's more about the marketing and how they market the music and of course their target demographic um the target demographic for these things uh or for this for the genre as a whole and i think it's not even just one specific genre it's for most music they try to get younger listeners so i think the the target age is from 13 to 18 is you know how and if they can get them young that means that they're pulling in lifetime listeners they're pulling people who can like who will continuously buy new records and will continuously buy new things, just like the the cigarette companies used to do when they when they were trying to target teens. Um, I, I'm serious though; they would no, no, they no. would market towards teens, and then they would get lifetime lifetime customers because they get addicted. As do I mean, and there's no question that music can be addictive. Like people use it to relax, people use it to work out, people use it to um, to amp themselves up. We all do it. And what what happens is is they market these these genres filthy genres i mean things that are that teens shouldn't be listening to especially impressionable teens and teens that are already kind of at the rebellious stage 13 is the rebellious rebellious stage so when you get a person to listen to a punk music at 13 and you 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 appeal to their already their their desire to f authority they they they're going through these changes and they don't like being told what to do and this and that so you give them a genre of music that they relate to and they soak it up and then the, the, they, they start to become part of that culture. So they, 
they listen to it, they act like it, they dress like it, what, because they're impressionable. They do everything they can to soak up what the music is telling them to soak up. And it, I mean, you can see it. I mean, you see it all the time now, even with the way that, you know, uh, with uh, rap music being so heavy, you have a huge influence of, you know, baggy pants, hats, teeth, grills, dreads, uh, disrespect towards women, <laughs> the whole thing. Okay, so what do you think is um, is the solution? So if uh, rap music or punk music or, I mean, there's some pretty dirty rock and roll oh, um, sure. songs and, 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 and old 70s music that, that is actually pretty dirty. So what's the solution? I mean, is there is it something that parents need to curb? Because they've already done, you know, parental, you know, rest, you know restrictions on the on the on the music and sure. that doesn't seem to help for sure um it's it's, it's gotten worse I, I i feel like it's gotten worse over time um the more that people try to do the worse it gets but so what do you think the solution is right so and and i just kind of want to clarify one thing don't get me wrong i'm not just blaming rap music i think the the reason why i har- i will harp so much on rap music is because it's so prevalent right now um yeah. but rock music is definitely has like maybe even maybe more to blame for the culture because uh, they're the like kind of the leaders of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Like they were, that yeah. was the slogan, and still is. So, um, but yeah, I, I actually um, I have a couple song lyrics that I want to read out um, that I never realized how dirty they were, and so we'll read out a couple of those because it's pretty bad um, in the seventies. Oh yeah, well of course that was like you know hippies and uh, protests and Woodstock and all that kind of stuff where you know drugs and LSD and and sex were like. It was the sexual revolution. I think that was the seventies. Anyway, but, uh, sixties, yeah. But it, but it was at least it it, it molded into the seventies, um, and it uh, and people felt more open, open to being yeah to being able to talk about some of this stuff that's pretty dirty and pretty gross. Right. So to answer your question, though, I think that the the answer to the problem is twofold. Number one, the problem currently in in our state as a country and more so even the world is that there isn't parenting parenting isn't being done uh there's nobody in the home anymore to sit i mean that's why i think that current generations in the past had like had less of a problem than this particular in this particular issue is because there was always somebody in the house to raise the family which i will say is a full-time job i'm not going to say it's only the woman's place to be in the home but it is a full-time job and it's a super hard job it's not easy to raise a family and to to keep a family together on that note, I think that the problem is parenting. Even though the the record labels in the industry have put parental warnings, there needs to be someone in the home to make sure that those warnings and labels are being um, regarded. And they're saying, oh, you know what? Yes, you know, no, you're not getting that CD until you're 18. No, I'm not letting you listen to this music. Nope, not in my house. But that kind of stuff. Um, Definitely. And, now, now, on that note, does what what should um, so I know that you said twofold. So first you're saying parenting, um, mm-hmm. but w- what should, um, make a parental, um, recommendation or whatever? Should it be the government doing it? Should it be a private entity? And what should make a, um, make it a, I don't know what, what do they call it? Just a, par- a parental advisory. What should that be? Should it be content or it should be language? Because I think content is much more important than language. Uh, I, I think that I mean I think that they kind of mold together in my mind where the content and the language are 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 sometimes seamless. I, I can understand the distinction between the two. Um, content is definitely is definitely something to 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 watch. However, and we might even see it in the lyrics that you that you bring up because you said that you didn't realize how 
dirty they were until recently. And I think that's because, you know, back then music was lit- written more in metaphor than it is now. Like right now, it's a little bit more blunt. Like right now, it's it's very blunt to, to say the least. Like it's it, it says exactly what it wants to say. The lyrics of old were definitely... Um, you you would have to be a little bit more adult to even understand what those lyrics were. Now, of course, once you understood it, then it's like, okay, that has a lot more meaning to me, and which means that you might even grow more attached to the music and kind of feed more into the culture that it's telling you to. But as a child, you might not know. Now, um, I, as far as the government butting in, I, I'm pretty libertarian on this. I, I, I'd rather the government not get involved. I understand the idea of parental warnings and I think that they should be on the label and I'd like it to be that the, the manufacturers or the producers of the CD are, are the ones labeling it. But I think the reason why we have the labels now are because they weren't doing it. And, you know, of course the government got sued or someone got sued and said, that, Oh, we have to put labels on it now. Actually, I think, um, just like, um, uh, just like movies, it's actually not the government that puts the the labels on. I and I I don't know if it's the same for um for music. I should look that up. Um, but uh, for movies, it's a it's a private entity that does um that handles it. Yeah, well, um, that's that's perfect, and I think that that's the way it should be. I think that it it's it. I don't think it's the government's job to really get much involved with these matters, um, unless it's absolutely necessary. And most of the time, I don't think it's absolutely necessary. Yeah, so it looks like it was um, something that, that actually started with the record companies. Okay, yeah, perfect. Yeah. That's good. And yeah. and then I guess to, to move on to my second point would be it would be the responsibility of the producers, more so the artists, though, who sing these terrible, terrible things. I think it's their responsibility to, if they're going to talk about this stuff, kind of come out and do interviews and like right now it's so easy to sit down with somebody and, and have an interview as a, as a superstar and thousands upon millions of people see these things and come out and say look like my music is my music and it's a way for me to artistically articulate what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling and it's important to me and I think it should be important to you but understand that like let's just let's just take like songs that uh, glorify being a gangster like that's that's not a good thing and I and I would hope that these people don't idolize being a gangster and I think that they should come out and say hey the life that I led before I was in the in music industry, before I'm making millions of dollars, was a terrible life. This is not a life that you want to be involved with. I think there should be some responsibility on the artists to to show that their listeners, like, hey, this is this don't don't aspire to be in this gang. Don't aspire to do this. Don't uh, don't believe that being, uh, for lack of a better word, ghetto is a good thing. Because right now, I think we live in a culture that just idolizes being ghetto. I, and I don't, and I have absolutely, I have no, I can't fathom why that is. Well, it's it's not necessarily being ghetto, it's it's being cool. And so they, they kind of conflate the two. But I, the problem is, is that these people aren't going to sell as many records if they're not saying F authority. They're, they're not, because there's people that listen to them, like I said, that listen to them that, that resonate with their music because they speak the truth or they speak about real stuff in real life. Um, and then so you get the people that are actually living that that type of stuff and they it resonates with them. And then you get the people that um, either want to live, want to be cool, want to live that type of life or um, don't live that type of life, but feel rebellious just for listening to it. And so if the artist isn't going to make money, then should they still do that? Let, let's say that they're going to take a, you know, they're going to make 50 percent less. Should they still get that message out there to 50 percent of those people or should they do it? Is there another way they can do it? 
not through their art or is it just uh, are we just in an inevitable loop of bad uh, bad music or uh, dirty music and it gets to the people the people love it so more dirty music's being made so more people love it and more people listen to it as a capitalist i want them to be able to succeed and make money and i and i think they should have full ownership of their content and what they do i think that these people could afford to maybe lose a few listeners if they're promoting a message that's saying hey you know what like you'd think that they'd want to help people move away from this kind of lifestyle, especially living, living it themselves and actually going through it, which was probably the, the motivation for the music in the first place. You're, I don't know why you want to throw people into the lifestyle that you had, which was terrible. And that's why you're singing about it and made it big. Like it just, it... but the problem is, is that a lot of times they're, they're, they're singing about the lifestyle that they have now. Um, and they'll say, I've been, you know, let's say it's, uh, let's we're going on rap because like you said, it's more prevalent. Mm-hmm. I've been in the streets. I know what it's like, but now I got money and that's my life or whatever. See, see that rap. Yeah. Um, and but, so that's, that's what they do. And so they're, they're thinking about where they were. And so people can understand that they've gone from nothing and now they have this lavish lifestyle. And so people want to listen to that and feel part of it. Um, and so they're not necessarily glorifying um, the, you know, they are sometimes they are glorifying the, the well, things absolutely. to life. But at the same time, they're also um, saying, hey, I made it to this point. I now have tons of hoes and, uh, you know, now, lots of clothes. I want to continue on with this, but I don't want you to let me. I don't want uh, remind me to go back because I want to change my answer to the very first question that you have. But, <laughs> and, and I'm and, not uh, editing this down, Seth. I'm not <laughs> editing this down to change your answers. Yeah. No, no, no. I just no. I'm not going to change it entirely. I'm going to say that there, uh, there's going to be a break, but I want to continue okay, this ahead. for a second. Um so yes, they are they are talking about the things that they have, but like, and this is my one of my go tos, but I th- I think I can pull from f- several different uh, artists. But Fifty Cent was in a gang. He got shot, almost died, and he he glorifies the lifestyle of being a gangster. Like he almost died, and I I don't think I've ever heard him come out and say, "Hey, that lifestyle was bad." Never once in an interview. I mean, of course, I don't watch all his interviews. I I mean, I'm not saying that he's never said it. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that it's not it's not like a, a important piece for him to come out on stage and say look like i i don't know if it was worth it like i don't know if this lifestyle though that i strived for was worth it to go through the things that i've done and the things that i've seen and and to almost die for this it's like like that's a pretty big message that you're sending out to people like hey you know what join a gang get shot almost die and make it big still like that's not that's not a good message that's a bad message and i think that there should be some ownership to say Hey, I'm telling people the wrong thing. Like that's not good. Yeah, but isn't it something to be proud of to some degree? Say like I went through this and now I'm I, I made it. Yes, and and I think that that's where our maybe the disconnect for me and you is, or maybe not even you, but for me and the people who listen to it is like, hey, he had an accomplishment and he he made it out. But where do you see that reflect in his music? I don't. I don't listen enough. I, all I know is, yo, shorty, it's your birthday. Right. Um, so he likes birthdays, apparently. So, um, and that's that's the thing. Is like you'd think that that would be a bigger message in his music if that was what he was most proud of. But I don't think that's what he's most proud of. And especially, well, it may be what he's most proud of. But he doesn't let that reflect in his music. And what he reflects in his music is a bad message because that's what's getting him more money. 
And so yeah, this definitely. is this is you know it's a hard it's a hard spot for me to be in because like like I said I think that he has full ownership of his content and he can do whatever he wants, and he he has the right to make as much money as he wants. I have I don't begrudge him that, but I do begrudge his message and what he's putting out to the youth because like I said they target thirteen to eighteen, the most impressionable ages there are. Yeah, no, I I completely I I get what you're saying and I I agree with you for the most part. I don't like glorifying a culture or a lifestyle that ends up getting kids killed. I hate that. And I hate that mm-hmm. it, it is part of it. My only thing is, is, um, is there a solution to it? Is there something that can be done or is it something that, that we have to let, um, life kind of roll in and, and eventually we'll kind of get through this phase of, um, you know, maybe gang- gangsters are cool, but the next, there's going to be something else that comes next. That's cool too. I mean, you listen mm-hmm. to 50s music and, you know, they glorify, they still glorify, you know, different sex, sexual things or, um, like you said, through the 60s and 70s, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll were a thing. Um, oh, yeah. And 80s. And, you know, so it's just, it, it seems to be getting worse, but I, I have hope that uh, at some point uh, music can help ch- uh, turn culture around. Well, yeah, and I think that that's I think it's important because I I mean as you said I mean I think that might be even an answer to your original question is as you can see through the generations music was a huge part of each decade like it was it was it was the culture it pushed a huge portion of the culture and I think that's important because you can look back and you can say okay well the sixties was the Beatles and 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 rock and roll and Elvis Presley and you had um the 70s where it was Jimi hendrix and electric guitar and and then the 80s which was you know hair metal and in uh and, and it's like when we look back on those decades what we see the most is what is what the music is we see that the most it's right and so now we're seeing what what do we see what do you look back and see at the 2000s what do you what do you think of? oh my goodness uh, not terrible. 2000 not no before 2010 or yeah before 2010 but so what do you see uh I mean, I guess before 2010, I, I I don't know. It all mashes together for me. So I'm saying like in sync and Backstreet Boys because that was early 2000s, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, or like uh, or Beyonce. You know, Beyonce was a big thing uh, during that time. But I do think that it was um, early 2000s was a, uh, a a transitioning time for rap. I think later, you know, 90s rap was more gangster rap, and then um, early 2000s kind of transitioned into um, kind of a there's some gangster rap and some some rap that was a little bit more low key, and I think that I I kind of started you know liking it to some degree, um and then now now there's a lot of uh, this this mumble rapping and um, kind of not uh, audible stuff that is impossible to listen to. Yeah, well, and I think that that's uh, kind of interesting just to touch on was like I mean if you go back and look at the forefather of gangster rap, which was Tupac or Biggie Smalls, where you go back and you actually listen to their music, like it. it they did have a message. They did have something that was affecting them and their and their culture at the time. Like they they had a message that they talked about, and um, it, it was important to them. Whereas now, if you look at modern day rap, like I just none of it is important. It's not like they're yeah. going. They're not breaking down cultural issues anymore. They're not. They're talking about fame, wealth, and and gangsterism as yeah, if. Yeah, and well, and there's a, some that, that that do break down culture, but I I I think that that's where we may disagree with them um, in terms of what they should be breaking down. So you and I might think that they should, they should be pushing a message of not necessarily F the police, 
if you see the police shoot him or if you see the police, you know, you're going to die. Um, there should be a, a, a stronger culture for, um, for unity, unity in the, in the community. And I don't think that that's the case. So I think yeah. the, the solution for these rappers is that, uh, they could do, um, still sell records is relate to a story personally that would help that, um, that would, resonate with the people that are listening to their music but at the same time have lessons from each of their songs or each of their albums whatever it is that can um that can be pushed that say hey you can you can be better than where you are right now right. um and so i think that 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 might be a a somewhat of a solution again not just rap uh, rap and rock and um you know anything that's out there right now there's a, a ton of uh, terrible music that um, is from all different genres. It's just, again, rap's the easiest to, to pinpoint because a lot of people listen to it. And so um, yeah. anybody listening to this will understand what we're talking about. Right. And then I think it's also important to like kind of to to depict was like uh, between rap music and punk rock was punk rock was a phase for most people. Like it lasted probably between like maybe if you got into it like 14, 15 years old and it lasted to like maybe 18, 19, you don't see like adult people who are punk. And if you do, there's very few of them. It's not like it's relevant. Like it's, and it never stayed relevant. Like punk was always just a phase. Well, that's rap, you get a headache. Rap, well, yeah, that may be. <laughs> but rap and ghettoism is not just a phase. It is, it is the culture. It is everywhere. There are people from, you know, younger than 13. There are little kids who listen to rap. Now, I mean, it's not good parenting, but they do. I've seen it personally. I've seen it on, I mean, you can go to any YouTube uh, or Instagram and you can find these like little kids acting like they're thugs or like they're, you know, uh, uh, like they're rap artists or whatever you want to call it. I, I'm, I'm struggling for the words, but, um, and it's Ra rapist. Yeah. Rapists. No, I'm just saying like they're there. You can see it and it's, it affects the culture. It affects people's their the way that they perceive the world. Um, and I think that they do need to like not edit their message, but maybe like trying to find a bridge, the gap because like they're not, they're not doing it. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, all right, let's go to, uh, uh, reading, um, rock lyrics that are pretty bad. Oh. Um, Oh, wait, wait, sorry. You wanted to change your answer first. Yes. I wanted to say that I do think that right now music affects the culture, uh, like my, my previous statement was. Um, but with how big social media has been, I think that yeah, I think right now you're seeing a molding of the two. You might see where music affects the culture, but the culture also affects the music more so than it ever has in the past because the fans can talk directly to the artists themselves and tell them what they want. Almost kind of like with um, with gaming. You and I both played Destiny, and Destiny, the, the or Bungie, the developer of the game, was able to talk directly to their fan base and say, hey, what do you guys want? And we'll try to develop it. And and we could, and they did. Uh, it ruined the game, but it definitely was something that we've never been able to do in the past, where you've never been able to say, hey, developers, do this, and we'll buy it, or we'll continue to buy it. So right now, you're, you're seeing uh, customers or, or patrons of the music saying, hey, we like this, we don't like that, we like this, we don't like that, and it actually might start to affect the way that the the music industry develops their music because of what the fan base wants. Yeah, definitely. And and music is um constantly changing and so um maybe there's there's some light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe if they just keep mumbling when they rap, well, you'll never understand what they say and so they just <laughs> listen. It's like well, Yeah, but uh, that, that might be even a little bit more scary because, you know, if if the culture has an effect on rap, it may not develop and change as quickly as it used to because if rap stays 
prominent, then people are just going to be saying, hey, we like this style of rap, keep producing this. And within the rap genre, things might change a little bit, but we might not deviate from the rap genre as quickly as we moved from other genres. So like, you know, from 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, music developed quickly because the artists changed. The, the and the, and then they changed the culture along with the artists like and then but now you have the culture t- trying to d- dictate where the music goes which i feel like it's just it's going to be for me in, in the way that i'm looking at it it's going to be weird yeah and it'll be it'll be pretty interesting yeah. um i really hope that the 70s didn't have any impact on uh, on culture because i have some lyrics for you so um this is from the famous republican ted nugent The song title is called Jailbait, and the lyrics read, Well, I don't care if you're just 13. You look too good to be true. I just don't know what you're probably... I just know that you're probably clean. There's one little thing I gotta do to you. Pretty bad. That's just... That's (laughs) so bad. Ted Nugent. Um, So... Another one that, okay, I've listened to this song at least a hundred times. Um, it is Walk This Way by uh, Aerosmith. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and um, the lyrics go this. I met a cheerleader, was a real young bleeder. All the times I can reminisce, all the best thing loving with her sister and her cousin. And it started with a little kiss. Was a real young bleeder. That is disgusting. And that is horrible that is Steven Tyler writing just terrible music. So this is from the 70s. Um, now, does he mean in that that he was the one who made her bleed? Or was he, or maybe she just had, had sex early? And maybe she was just kind of like promiscuous when she was younger? Okay. Unless he means a cheerleader as in like a college cheerleader or a, um, a, a, a professional cheerleader, he is meaning a high schooler. There's no doubt about it true and this the i mean no matter what the sentiment is gross because it's just a it's just a gross uh lyric but hopefully what he's saying is that she was just when she was younger she was promiscuous which isn't good but it wasn't him that caused the promiscuity no that's that's given that's stretching a little far buddy that's just so bad (laughs) it's so bad when i read that i was like I've been seeing those lyrics going, F, F, you know, like I thinking I was singing the lyrics, but I was not singing what's right. Um, there's a song called, uh, by kiss, you know, kiss with the tongue. Um, uh, Christine 16. I don't usually say things like this to girls your age, but when I saw you coming out of the school that day, that day I knew, I knew Christine 16. I gotta have you. Yeah, there you go. So, and that's not even from that's those are from the seventies, but there's stuff in the sixties that also mentions um, underage um, sex with people that that obviously were overage, Um, and so there's a lot of um, that stuff. So I really hope that the sixties and seventies didn't uh, lead to a lot of pedophiles. Um, That's at least my hope. I hope not, but man, it's not good. And I and I as I stated before, like I mean, rock music is no stranger to terrible lyrics and terrible effects on culture. Like, hopefully not a in a culture of pedophiles, but not good. Yeah, yeah. I would always just hope that um, when I listen to those songs from the '60s or something, or even the '50s, like uh, there's a song, "She's 16, She's Beautiful, and She's Mine." I always hope that that person was 16. I have no idea how old. Um, I don't remember who sings that. Um, but even the Beatles has a, they have a song, um, 
I saw her standing there, and uh, the song goes, um, she was just 17, if you know what I mean. Um, now, the age of consent in uh, the UK at the time was 17, um, but they're insinuating she's just 17. You, you know what I mean? Like, she yeah. was obviously 17 when she was probably underage, too. Um, so there's a lot of stuff like that that's just really borderline um, inappropriate and stuff that uh, wouldn't wouldn't pass nowadays, which is a good thing, but there's stuff that would pass nowadays that is that, that is far worse. Um, Certainly. Yeah. Now, when did the age of consent go to 18 in the United States? Because I know right now, currently, in certain states, it's still 16. I think Arizona is 16. Um, so, I, I mean, back then, well, it may Well, that, been... that doesn't mean that it's it's legal for them to... No. ...to, to have sex with a 16-year-old, right? Uh, so, we looked it up, um, and it was somewhat unclear. Because um, I don't know if there is a federal law for it. So... And it was saying that age of consent is 16, so I don't know if it's age of consent. Oh, odd point. In U- in Arizona, I think it was, it was age of consent for women is 16 and age of consent for boys is 18. That's so there weird. is a distinction for both, and I don't know why the boys is higher. Maybe it's maybe when they made the law, they said that boys don't mature as fast as girls, so they weren't able to. But Yeah, good. there's quite a few states um, that I'm looking at that actually still have a 16 um, age of consent. Um uh, Nevada being one of them, uh, mm-hmm. Washington being one of them, um, and then there's seven to uh, Leo, Texas, and like you said, uh, actually Arizona is uh, 18. But okay, uh, yeah, New- it must have been Nevada. Then I was talking about uh, that. Yeah, uh, New Mexico is uh, uh, is 17. Anyways, yeah, that, that's kind of odd. Um, the age extent in Canada is 16. Hmm. Yeah, that's weird. And so I and and. I don't know because I, 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 I read a little bit about it and I couldn't tell if it was saying that like if you're 16, then you can have sex with another 16-year-old or maybe 17-year-old. But if you're over the age of – like if you're over 18 and they're still 16, can they consent to that? I don't know. It's It was a very interesting thing that we were talking about, so – yeah, that is odd. I, I would I would assume that it's um that they can consent to to having sex. Um, I don't feel uh, good yeah. about it, but it makes me feel weird. I don't like that at all. Yeah, yeah. Let's get off that topic. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're right. gonna have some uh, some lurkers on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are they saying? Which states? Which states? Um, <laughs> Let us hope um, not. Yeah, let's hope not. Hope not. But no, I I don't think that it's legal in any state to have. Um, sex with anybody that's under 18 um that's if you're over 18 i just think like you said it's a consent uh to to have sexual acts with somebody your own age um otherwise it's illegal or whatever um maybe the next podcast we'll talk about there was i just i saw a report tonight about it uh, about a ted talk where a girl said that um pedophiles are uh it's like a there's no way that you can it's it's something to do with their brain chemistry and that you can't get rid of it and it's like they just are who they are and it sounded like the the way the article was stated it was just the title it sounded like she was making like an argument saying that pedophiles are people and we have to deal with them and they're just part of life and we should no accept no, no you're right and i i did read that one yeah so it's okay. um it, and you're right. It, that's what basically what she's saying is that, um, and there's not. It's not just this one lady. It's a there's a there's a movement for, um, for pedophilia to be uh, under the LGBTQ banner. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, and so it's it's something that's, you know, kind of. I mean, it's really gross, but it's uh, kind of scary to think about. Um, and hopefully that never happens. Um, and this is one area where I think the government should get involved, because. Um, 
yeah, kids can't uh, don't really understand what they're doing and what it what it does to their brain chemistry to um, even if they think that they're consenting at the age you know fifteen sixteen or whatever it is um, they don't have the capacity to understand what doing something like that with an older person could do to them oh yeah 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 and so I yeah government come on down <laughs> the <laughs> one time I call I call on you yeah um, it's gross cool. um, is there any other topics you wanted to go over today we're at uh, about. 60, 58 minutes or so. Yeah, we're at 58 minutes. It's the longest one we've done so far. We are so good at this. Yeah. We should do more. Yeah. We will do more, hopefully weekly, if we can get the sit-down time right. <laughs> yeah, whatever. We'll, we'll make it work. Um, yeah. Well, once again, for everybody that's listening, thank you so much um, for being a part of this. If you have any topics or anything that you want to hear, please uh, text one of us or email us. Um, we do have a uh, Gmail. It is uh, cultureshiftescape at Gmail. Dot com. That's cultureshiftescape at gmail.com. If you want to email us some suggestions, uh, any topics that you want or um, a debate that you want to hear or anything like that, we'd, we'd love to hear. Or just say, hey, um, give, leave us a review on, uh, on iTunes. That'd be cool, too. Uh, give us some, a five-star rating. And also, if you just want to email us and say, hey, Chris is awesome, Seth sucks, I'm okay with that because I think we're all thinking it. Well, they all are lying, so... <laughs> I know Whatever. Seth's shirtless, so right now he's <laughs> looking shirtless. mighty, mighty it's fine. It's hot in my closet. Yeah, yeah, it's hot in here too, um, but not <laughs> as hot as the other day. I'm excited to get out because I just got an AC unit, so I'm excited to nice. go out there and, and bathe in it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, All thank right, you guys so much. We appreciate you guys listening, and we will see you next time. Yep. See you next time.